You're listening to the Badass Lady Folk, and I'm your host, Christine Stoddard. Badass Lady Folk is a podcast on Apple and Spotify and a bunch of other places produced by Quail Bell Press and Productions. And now, as of March 24th, we are on Radio Free Brooklyn again for our reboot. Today, my wonderful guest, another woman kicking buns big and small, is Disney Sebastian. Welcome, Disney. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> I like how it was a question. It's, it is a question. So Disney is an actress or actor, as we use gender-neutral terms or try to in today's modern society, uh, a host, a performer of various kinds, and I first got to know her at the Broadway Comedy Club in a production we did uh, of Beverly Bonners, uh, Rest in Peace, Our Dearly Departed. And after that, we worked on a poetry film from the Visible Poetry Project called Butterflies. This was based on a poem by Terry Alam, and it was about the experience of Black girls in public schools and also their treatment by the media, in mass media, the news. And since then, somehow I have convinced Disney <laughs> to come along for the wild ride that is Christine Stoddard and Quailville. So Disney, how did I do it? Yeah, I don't know. A miracle, I guess. <laughs> A miracle. Uh, you like to say that I harassed you. Yeah, you did. Can I tell them? Yeah, story? please. Okay, so when you saw me, I guess we didn't talk, but we... I performed at the Broadway Comedy Club. You saw me. And then you were like, I want this girl. <laughs> so what she did was she messaged me on Facebook Messenger. And if you know me, I'm antisocial. So I do not open messages from people I don't know. And so I did not open your message. And then I think you messaged a couple of times, didn't see it. And then you wrote on my wall and added me as a friend. And I was like, who does this? This is stalking. But eventually I did respond back. And now we are here three years later. <laughs> Somehow you trusted me. Somehow. Eventually. Because you're a Scorpio. Yeah, Scorpio to Scorpio. Yes. That energy. Yes. <laughs> so Disney, could you tell listeners what it is that attracted you to theater and to film and what it is you love about performing? Okay, so that's a very broad question. But yeah. Start off by my background, which is that I'm from the island of Dominique, which is not Dominican Republic. Don't ever say that, I'll be upset. But different I, country, different, different place. place. Completely. But I, since I was a child, I've always been kind of a loner and I found some fascination in being immersed into a different world, something that didn't exist, which is AKA acting. You get into a different zone. So I always wanted to do that since I was a kid. So what I used to do is I would take scripts that I would find or just like listen to, to films and just recite it and just practice it and do all the characters. But one of the things that inspired me the most was Kiki Palmer. She was one of the first few black actresses my age that I had seen on TV. And I was like, oh, she's doing what I want to do kind of thing. So I decided that one day I would come to the US and do exactly that. But I think it's, it's interesting because I had never we only have about 10 channels back home when I was growing up. So when I saw her for the first time, it was like, it was a very exciting moment for me and just gave me that inspiration of, okay, I can do this thing. Uh, so yes, what I love about performing is that 
like I said earlier, is just being able to get into a different zone and escape the realities of the horrendous world that we live in. Yeah. So it's a beautiful thing that I get to do and entertain. Yeah. Dear listeners, I'm actually looking at Disney right now, and she looks pretty emotional. I wanted to add, I should have added this at the beginning, that this is the first time that I'm recording the podcast with a human being in real life sharing the same room as me since I recorded at Radio Free Brooklyn in 2016. The previous episodes, the past couple years, have all been over Zoom. So I just love that I'm able to see you in real time. Well, your that was face. My idea. <laughs> You're right. Know. Yeah. Was yeah. It was. It was. Good. It was Disney's <laughs> idea to record face to face. Yeah, I think it's better. Yeah, of course. Something's lost over Zoom. Yeah. So, why do you think you were a more imaginative child? Like, what is it that you loved so much about living in your imagination? It's the only way that you can, I guess, escape and not feel anything. Because your imagination can be anything. So regardless of what's going on in your actual world, it doesn't have to exist if you don't want it to. So that's the fun part about it. So I get to do whatever. And dream. And I'm here. So my dreams are a reality, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I Something I love that you've mentioned in the time that I've known you is how you would say your dreams out loud, right? Of becoming an actress and people in your home country would look at you like that was impossible. Could you speak more to the culture and the reason why people thought maybe that was a little crazy? Yeah, it's insane what I'm doing. But the Caribbean in general, it's the culture is that you typically have very few options for careers. So you're either a doctor, lawyer, nurse, maybe a teacher, uh, and maybe like a police something that's that's all you have so when you wake up and you say you want to be an actor then that seems absolutely insane because it's so academic uh i actually never told anyone that i wanted to be an actor until i was later in my teens so not even my parents knew my mom kind of like she would see me talking to myself a lot as a child but so i think she had an inkling of it but I never came out and said, yeah, this is what I want to do forever as a child. That was something I said later. It was really until when I was trying to go to college that I said, oh, yeah, I'm just going to choose performing arts as a major. And my dad looked at me like and said, what? Performing arts? He's like, I thought I wanted to do science like us. I was like, no, I'm doing performing arts. So, but yeah, back to your question, it's just that the culture, when you grow up like that, it's just not a thing. And that's also the reason I had to come here is that because there's no, we don't have a theater right now, I believe. Uh, just not much going on, so I really had to work my way out of the zone of being in Dominica and coming here. That's my choice. Yeah, and how much of that mentality would you say is influenced by racism, immigration, just the realities of what it takes to leave? Because doing that profession in Dominica is not really possible. So you're asking like... So we've... Uh, for instance, you talked about seeing Kiki Palmer yeah. on TV as a child and how inspiring that was. Yes. Um, and in conversations we've had about immigration, w- which have been related and unrelated, mm-hmm. right? 
we've talked about how so many of the policies are racist because it is a lot more difficult to get approved to stay here for long periods of time if you don't come from Western Europe. Correct. That's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. Um, so you, you've had to move here, right? Like it yeah. re- really wasn't There's a no choice yeah. uh, unless you moved to London. And, and that's the thing. So when I was first looking at where I wanted to go, so I always wanted to come to New York. That was always the dream until I lived here for more than 10 years. I was like, okay, next we're moving somewhere else. But I did look at Canada. I did look at London. London probably would have been easier because I have family over there too. But I don't know. Something about New York's diversity was one of the things that drew me to, to this area. Plus, there's so much going on when it comes to arts. But... Ideally, if you want to be top of your field, let's say you want to do Broadway, where do you have to go? You can't go to London, you got to go to New York. And if you want to do film stuff and be in Hollywood, you got to go to LA. So I just kind of set my sights on where the top places were at that time, and which still is New York and LA. Right, yeah. Even very successful uh, English-born actors and actresses mm-hmm often still have to come to the U.S. Um, And the same with Canadians. They might be based in Toronto or Vancouver. They gotta travel. They have to travel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can't not do it. It's true. But I think, what were you asking earlier? Yeah, I mean, it just... It seems really unfair is the light word. Mm -hmm. And cruel is probably the more accurate word. That even if somebody wanted to stay in their home country, you can't. can't. And like, this is something that um, I've talked about with people in El Salvador, for instance, who are high achievers in the arts. Like, you always hit a ceiling. Mm -hmm. And if there's the possibility for you to come to California, and that tends to be like the, for a lot of Salvadorans, the initial migration right because it's close and because there are a lot of spanish speakers and there's much more of a latin market and culture there than like new york is is, does have a latin population obviously but it's more uh caribbean it's more puerto rican and dominican other dominican (laughs) and cuban um but yeah i mean they're just the southern hemisphere in general is struggling still struggling with the effects of colonialism mm-hmm. including poverty and that prevents a lot of talented hard-working people from doing what they want to do what they were maybe were meant to do yeah exactly but that's the thing you know like even in dominica the focus is never on arts and even if it is it's very mostly music stuff typically music that comes from our country would probably be the focus like i have a cousin actually who's like very well known in the music industry in dominica and the caribbean but it's easier i feel like just in general music is easier to branch out into to be well known in but acting is harder you have to work a lot more but yeah dominica just doesn't have the funds for it so they just focus on what they can which is typically academic stuff doctor lawyer they're not thinking of, yeah, I really need to build a theater today. Because that's like the goal. That's not the goal. Yeah. You know, so. And then we had the hurricane in 2017, which 
still suffering the effects of Hurricane Maria, which we didn't get a lot of coverage for, but then you had the pandemic, so it's just been one after the other, so it's tough. <sighs> Could you talk about your experiences in college where you studied, you mentioned you studied performing arts, but mm-hmm. could you just talk about why you chose where you chose to go and what your experience was like? Uh, yeah, I regret every single decision, but um, I just, I had to go. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's like I can't. The reason I'm saying that is because after going to college here, I feel like I learned nothing at all because everything is a lot about doing and they don't prepare you for the real world. But anyway, let's call out the schools. <laughs> I went to BMCT, which was, I got my associates there. And that I decided to go for an associate because I wanted to, it was more like a trial period. So I thought like two years would be nice. Let's see if I love it. I feel like I will, but let's just see. Uh, so I did that. I, that I got a degree in theater. Just I think it was just like straight theater. Um, and then actually got to work for a bit and then I did my bachelor's BFA in multimedia performing arts and that was at Lehman. It was a little better, but not great. But anyway, uh, yeah, what, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, why? So why is it that you regret it? What is it that you regret? Because I really feel like none of these schools for the last five years that I have been prepared me for the real world. It's just... When you get out there and you actually start auditioning professionally, you start working professionally, there were a lot of things I did not know about, like auditioning, the difference between auditioning and self-tapes, like what your headshot's supposed to look like, how to... Because when you're an actor, you're also your own business. You know this, you're an artist. Like, you are your own business, so you are responsible for marketing yourself and like even like how to get an agent, how to be signed to a manager. All these things I feel I did not learn. Because it's great to be able to do a monologue, which is what they typically work on with you when you're in college, but okay, what happens after that? How do you get to that point? How do you find an agent? How do you talk to people in a networking event? These are things I did not learn. So that's why I feel it was a waste of time. And then you do like English. Like, what am I doing with English? You know, like social studies. It's just a waste of my time. I just want to act, you know? What? Yeah, yeah. No, and this is this is an ongoing debate because some people would say college is not meant to prepare you for the professional world, yeah. that it's meant to improve your critical thinking and your research, your writing, your public speaking skills, and to, to prepare you for maybe further academic work. But here's the thing. So you said like research and stuff like that. I can read up my yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm telling you, I did not learn a lot. I was yeah. a little disappointed with my education when I left. I thought it was great at the time because you're not actively in the real world. It's like a fake world that they create and be like, yeah, that's what it's going to be like. When you get there, it's, it's not like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody tells you that you have to do 30 auditions in two months and you might book one thing. Those are the things that you need to know as an actor. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm in total agreement with you. I did. I'm a total nerd. So I did enjoy some of the more academic classes. I did enjoy some of the theory and criticism in history, but emphasis on some. Mm -hmm. I did think that, yeah, at some point there are limitations and I'm not interested in this. I want to get practical. I want to actually make things. For me, the focus was always 
actually producing some kind of creative work and in courses where I wasn't expected to do that and then there wasn't enough feedback or any feedback or criticism, I would always end up disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that just speaks to the fact that you have to advocate for yourself. Yes. And not just in college, but in life, right? And it sucks, but over and over again as women, this is any non-male person. That's how it is. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, just being an actor, it's, it's also different being a male actor versus a female actor. Yeah, and I wanted and to ask you about that. Yeah, so ask me about Yeah, it. <laughs> so what's it like? What's the difference? What would you say are some of the unique challenges that a female actress faces? Well, obviously just men in general. It's just navigating that and their opinions on certain things. Because many, so listeners, many casting directors... Many producers, many directors, many people with power, especially on the business side of things, mm-hmm. are men. Mm-hmm. And they're disproportionately white men uh, who come from specific families, went to specific schools, have certain connections. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like When I first came here, I had no connections. That's another thing they don't tell you about is that you have to make connections because that's going to be kind of your way to the top even if you are so talented and you're a wonderful person if you don't know somebody in the industry yeah you can't only get so far so that's why we talk about advocating for ourselves especially as a woman and just like i would really like to see a lot more women leads especially black women leads in productions and film and television you don't really see a lot of that so that's always i feel like a work in progress because every time I look at casting calls, it's always black girl supporting role, black girl angry person, black girl bossy person. That's typically what I see. You don't see a lot of strong female roles. So that's something I, I would like to see more of. Yeah. Or if they're strong, like you said, they're angry. Exactly. So why is that the only emotion that's yeah, allowed that to be do. felt and portrayed? Exactly. <laughs> So when I, like, typically when I go to an audition, if I do a self-tape, I try to take a different approach to what I think they might want, even if it means I might not get the role, but just to kind of throw them off a little bit, uh, which is nice. Speaking of that, a couple weeks ago, I did a play at Urban Sages, and one of the role that I played, she was a historian, and she was really intelligent, just very professional, and she was researching the... Holocaust and she uncovered some secrets about one of the families and after the show a, a woman a white woman yes <laughs> it was a white woman <laughs> she came up to me and she said you know I just felt like your your character didn't really push back much it, it was so because when when my character was talking to one of the families, the Jewish families, she remained professional throughout, even though they got upset at her. She didn't get angry. She was Mm. still very professional. Could you please just explain the story a little bit so listeners and I have more context? Okay, gotcha. So basically, she is a historian. She works at this museum. And there's a family, a Jewish family, that they're writing a story about. And they want to put it in the museum. And she discovers some, I don't want to ruin it, but she, she discovers 
that what the family thought was the story was not actually the real thing. Mm. So the family member that she was, she was basically writing notes and was telling her like, hey, you know, this is what I discovered. And the family member gets really upset because she's like, that's my heritage, that's my, you know, how are you going to tell me that this is wrong? And my character's reaction was not, oh my God, I hate you, go away, shut up kind of thing. So I guess, and I, I actually chose that take, although the words didn't say it, but I chose to be a little bit, you know, like, you could see that I was offended, but not angry. Yeah, you were more reserved. Correct. Yeah. And so the audience member who came up to me after the show, she was like, well, I was kind of surprised that you didn't like yell it back at the woman. And I said, well, you know, the director and I spoke about it and we decided that we were taking a different approach to it. We didn't want to be upset. And then another woman in the audience comes up to her and says, you know, don't be upset that she didn't play the angry, angry black woman that you wanted her to play. Which is true, because they always, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying, like they always feel like that's what you should play. And they didn't yeah. Play when that. that second woman uh, spoke to the first one and mm-hmm. said, don't be angry, that she wasn't angry, yeah. how did that make you feel? Good, because that was my point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was, so, I was glad that translated, because sometimes, I mean, that's one of the beauty of theater and film is that the audience is more intelligent than you think they are. So without saying much, I took that approach and they got it. Yeah. Which was nice. Was the second lady a white lady? Yes. <laughs> which was which was really nice was also. Yeah. yeah. So that that's what I was going to ask next is, did you feel like she was using her social power in that position and that it helped you in a way that it was another white woman who was speaking to the white woman? I think so. Okay. Yeah. But you didn't feel like maybe she was overstepping or no. talking for you. No. Okay. No, I thought that was that was great that she interjected that conversation. I was like, yeah, I liked what you did. Yeah. It was good. And you didn't play an angry black woman. So yeah. That was nice. Well, I'm happy that she advocated for you. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't have to say anything anymore. Well, yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Even you know, though you explained yourself, the first woman might not have been convinced, right? Yeah. Until another white lady came forward. That's why I love it. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's why I love it. So could you talk about the theater work that you first started doing when you got out into the real world in New York? Well, honestly, the theater work I started doing was reading plays. <laughs> That's how I actually got connected to my theater because they receive so many submissions and they don't have anyone to read them. So I used to read the plays and say like, hey, I think this one might be good. Let's see how that goes and take it to the artistic director. But she really liked me and we built a really strong connection for the last eight years. So so I became one of the go-to actors in the theater. So I've worked in quite a few productions with them. So it's it's been a lot of fun, but I had to work my way up slowly, convince her that I'm a good person. Yeah, what are some of the stories that interest you in general? What about a story grabs mm-hmm. your attention? Hmm. What about a story grabs my attention? I would say something that is different, not like what you've heard before. Like even the Holocaust story, the fact that it was focused on someone discovering something new rather than just being a, just reading about the Holocaust. So things like that where it's a different angle, different approach different viewpoint. What was the name of that play? 
You know, I don't remember right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was the right, Righteous Among Us. The Righteous Among Us. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, if you didn't remember, don't worry, I'll find out. Listeners, I'll drop it in the notes. But now we got it. It's a pretty new play. And the, the writer, I think she flew in from California, I believe. Oh, okay. To see it, so that was nice. All right, I wanted to shift the conversation a little bit to identity. Mm-hmm. Something I ask many of my guests is... Are you a feminist? Are you a womanist? Or is there another term that you prefer? Or <laughs> do you not like having those associations in general? I don't like having these associations. Because I just feel like one of the problems with this society where, I, where we are right now, not back home, is that there are a lot of labels on things, and I just would love to just be without it being called a thing. Like, if I feel I want to be single for the rest of my life, for example, and do my own thing, I don't think that's feminism per se. I know technically, yes, but I wouldn't think of it that way. It's just just me being Disney. So, no, I don't subscribe to labels. (laughs) Do you believe in things like equal and equitable pay? Yes. And maternity leave? Yes. And education for girls? Yes. And women? Yes. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you probably agree with most of the main ideas of feminism. feminism. But, but. You know, the other complaint I hear is uh, not so much about the beliefs, but like you're saying, these labels, how they can be divisive. Mm -hmm. And then even within feminism, okay, you have white women against black women, uh, white women against brown women, brown against black, Mm -hmm. uh, that there are these racial black black against black black. colorism, right? Um. And not just racially, but also ethnically, culturally, religiously. And sometimes even a minor disagreement between two women will have them. Like, not every feminist is going to agree with every aspect of things related to pregnancy and girls' education, etc. Like, there are going to be divisions, even with abortion, some people are so adamant to accept abortion under all cir- circumstances, mm-hmm. right? And then others have more nuanced ideas about it. Um, but yeah, there's just, I'm always curious about what smart, strong women say about feminism. I say do what you want. That's what I say. So, how do you move in this world? How do you make things happen for yourself? How do you survive? The Lord. <laughs> Definitely the Lord. And sometimes I wonder that same thing. Like, I don't know. It's like sometimes I'll wake up and be like, I cannot believe I'm here. Like, what's happening? How did I get here? How did I go from this five-year-old kid talking to the television and now I'm here? This is kind of crazy. But I don't know. I just take things one day at a time and just 
try, keyword try not to overthink, try, I do, but I try. And I don't know, I just don't, you know me, I don't dwell too much on things. Even if it's annoying when it happens, I just try to move on. Because you can't really change the situation, you can kind of only control your reaction to the situation. Obviously easier said than done, but that's always what I've done for the last few years. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Well, what advice do you have for other artists, actors out there, especially ones who are women, black women, immigrant women who feel like, I don't know, I want to do this, but it's hard. First, you have to know that this is something for you, as in that you have to feel something inside of you that's like, yes, I have to do this thing. Not because you want to be famous. I know a lot of people do because they want to be famous. They want to go viral. This is not how acting works. That's TikTok. It's not how it works. You have to know. It's like a burning passion that this is what you want to do. You want to entertain. You want to explore a different universe or reality, which is what acting is like. Uh, secondly, never give up on your dreams. If you've decided that that's what you want to do, then go for it. And even if it seems not possible or people say, oh, I really don't think you can do this, you just keep doing it so do not listen to people that's my best <laughs> advice is people because a lot of people did not think that I could be an actor just because also too I was very reserved in school I didn't really talk a lot very quiet so like how is this person going to be a performer I'm a performer it's <laughs> literally my outlet for escape <laughs> like missing the whole point here so yeah just go for it and forget about what people think don't even don't listen to it yeah listen to yourself your inner voice and work hard there are times you may not sleep, but you work hard and you'll get there if it's meant for you. Yeah. I wanted to just quickly say on that note of more introverted people not being perceived as performers. It's amazing to me how many performers and other artists naturally are more introverted. Yes, absolutely. And they just bring it all out when they're performing. Yeah, exactly. Like that's when it all comes out. <laughs> that's kind of the point. But I feel like, you know, p- people have this notion of, like, for example, when you think of musical theater, you're like, oh, they're just like these big personalities and they're always dancing and singing. Not necessarily. That's just maybe when you're on stage, that's just the way you express your emotions, but you don't have to be big all the time. Yeah. Calm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because sometimes you need to just let your mind dream daydream and let that imagination run wild and pull from that when you're actually making something exactly okay i'm going to ask you the big scary annoying question that everyone asks what are your dreams and goals (laughs) yeah that's actually pretty annoying okay um my dream is that's more of a more recent dream i would say because I did not come here to host a show, but now I'm a host of a show. Yeah, let's let's Should hear about that. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. yeah. Before we wrap things up, let's hear about that. All right. So I host an Amazon live show for the past couple of years. Done, I think, almost 350 episodes. If none of you have watched. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> it'll happen eventually. 350 and my mom is my only viewer no I'm kidding um 
but it's it's fun because it's like if you've ever watched QVC or HSN, it's about products, and we get to talk about the products, promote them, but it's an actual show, so we have a whole script, teleprompter, all that stuff. But a lot of it is improv, so thankfully I had improv training. Love that, and I get to for the first time actually be myself on that show, which is nice. I get to yell at everybody and just say whatever. I've gotten banned a few times, but that's beside the point. Um, it's just, it's fun. So I discovered that I had that skill because the audience... Wait, tell us the name of the show and how to watch it. No, oh, it's Sunday Funday with Disney. And it's on Amazon Live, website www.toprated.live. And I'm on 6 p.m., 8 p.m., Sunday night, Eastern Time. So that's how you watch that. But yes, Sunday Funday with Disney. Anyone can watch it as long as you have the link. So we have a lot of viewers from all around the world and I think one of my most regular viewers actually she's amazing she's from California she has like six kids and she gets up on Sunday and she watches my show and I love her never met her but it's she's just really nice so it's stuff like that when people who don't know you comment on your show because you can't comment while it's going on say nice things about you it makes you realize like oh it's something I can actually do so and my mom really loves it and I just decided that I want to be a host of my own nighttime talk show Ooh. In, somewhere in hollywood somewhere yeah do you have any proposed topic or theme or it's just whatever the heck you want whatever the heck i want <laughs> i don't know yet because i was thinking also to a lot of the talk shows have gone off air i mean like ellen is done oh, we know what happened to her but that's that's done the real which is one of my favorites also is done Trevor Noah left, so I feel like there is a need. Yeah, it's your people. time. <laughs> that would be me. I'm 28. Like, pick me. So I feel like that would be a good option. Uh, so hopefully. Yeah. That. And I'm also a night owl, so I don't really want to be up in the daytime. So that would be <laughs> why I would want to do a nighttime show. It would be a lot of fun. You know, like, you've, you've watched a late night show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love those. So yeah. That would be fun. Yay. All right. Thank you, Disney. Dear listeners, my guest today was Disney Sebastian. Thanks so much for listening to the Badass Lady Folk, formerly of Brooklyn, now of everywhere. But yes, I'm still in Brooklyn, recording from bed currently. Again, you can listen to the host, uh, to the host, to the show on Apple and Spotify and quailbellmagazine.com and a million other places, including Radio Free Brooklyn. So happy to be back. All right, Christine Stoddard signing off. Until next time, bye.